Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. When Vladimir Putin started his war in Ukraine, he said it was all about fighting Nazis. But in a two-hour televised diatribe this week, he widened the scope, saying it's about protecting Russians from perversion and pedophilia, which he says is the norm in the West. Today, foreign correspondent Eric Campbell on Putin's propaganda and the Russian journalists who've escaped to try and counter the lies. Eric, Vladimir Putin, he doesn't like independent journalism, does he? And it seems like he doesn't like you that much either. I don't think he <laughs> likes either of us because if you remember last June when I was sanctioned for Russophobia, which is the Foreign <laughs> Ministry term for critical reporting, mm. I believe you were on the list as well. Yes, mm. I don't know why I was on we're the list. We're both in the naughty corner. Exactly, exactly. So we both made the list yes. of journalists that were sanctioned. Yes, but, of course... There was also many Russian journalists that were really under pressure, I guess, when that war began and and much, much harder for them. Yeah, well, a term you often use because they use the the English term is fake news. Mm-hmm. Fake news is an offence in Russia uh, if you are discrediting the Russian military. So if you're saying anything bad about the war, that it's not a noble quest to cleanse the world of Nazis, uh, then it's fake news and you face arrest and imprisonment. Uh, if you even call it a war mm. rather than a special military operation, you face arrest and imprisonment. So basically um, all the independent media in Russia, and there wasn't much left at that stage, uh, was shut down. They had to either close down to avoid arrest and most of them fled the country or all go into hiding. There's been a significant exodus of Russians, including many independent journalists, since the war and the new law prohibiting calling it a war It'll send began. thousands of reservists to fight in Ukraine. Already, long queues have formed at land borders and flights have sold out. But what has happened since then is that they have regrouped in mainly in Latvia, former mm-hmm. Soviet state uh, next door to Russia, where they're trying to basically fight the good fight against propaganda. То, что с нами сейчас происходит, это катастрофа. Как мы оказались в аду, как вышло, что один человек, размахивающий ядерным оружием, как ключами от дорогой тачки, взял. So let's unpack what they're trying to do there in a minute. But, Eric, we spoke when the war just began last year about the Russian propaganda then, and it was really about portraying the Ukrainian president and Ukrainians as a whole as Nazis. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, the terms that uh, the Putin used in the speech where he um, he announced the invasion uh, was uh, that they are going to do demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people wonder what that meant, but they've been trying to push the line that Ukraine is run by Nazis, mm. including by Zelensky, who, who, despite being Jewish, is also a Nazi, apparently, and um, Russian foreign minister defended that by saying, well, Hitler had Jewish blood too. Um, and they've been pushing this rather thin line <laughs> that this democracy next door to them is run by Nazis, uh, but basically it hasn't been working. Um, they've, they've had to do a sort of radical rethink about their propaganda. What they've come up with now, and I kid you not, it's LGBT Nazis. 
They're saying that Ukraine is run by, and this is the phrase you hear in Russian news, LGBT transgender Nazis, mm. LGBT transgender Nazis, who are trying to destroy Russia by making it gender neutral, I kid you not. LGBT transgender Nazis. Mm, it's quite unbelievable. So the Nazi propaganda line, it wasn't enough. They had to go further. It didn't really work because, mm. I mean, they, they keep sort of, you know, showing, you know, a soldier doing a, a, a hand salute to say they're all Nazis. But on the other hand, there's all these Russian soldiers doing the same things. There's people in the Wagner mercenary group with, you know, swastikas tattooed on their chest. I mean, for all the, the you know, I'll call you a Nazi, you know, Ukraine can raise them double. So it just hasn't worked. Mm, so how do they spread this new message that they've come up with, which is pretty unbelievable? Well, they spread it relentlessly on the three state-run uh, TV channels, which mm. is where, unfortunately, most Russians, particularly older Russians, still get their news. Now, when you look at the news programming, it is wall-to-wall propaganda, pro-war propaganda, and it's punctuated by talk of LGBT transgender Nazis, by talk of Satanists, because NATO was also mm. run by Satan. Zelensky's a drug addict, a pedophile. It's, it's. I mean, they have, I'm trying to be journalistically objective here, so I'll pick a neutral term and say they have jumped on the train to crazy town. I mean, it's gone completely barking mad. But, you know, when you watch it every night, I suppose it starts to feel normal and a lot of people may take it seriously. But there, there is a, a whiff of desperation one year on that they're having to invent more and more fanciful claims to justify the special military operation. Mm. And tell me how Peppa Pig <laughs> comes into all of this. Well, this is the thing. Once, I mean, Putin, uh, Putin himself made a speech about how in the West they want to abolish, you know, mummy and daddy and to have parents one, two, and three, mm. um, and, and, and which he says is a form of Satanism. Now, that was then picked up by members of parliament who've been citing cartoons as proof of Western subversion. Now, two of the cartoons they cited was South Park, which had a character who was a pedophile chef. Um, but more particularly, they're, they're honed in on uh, Peppa Pig. And I actually watch Peppa Pig because I have a three-year-old. And there was one episode where in the school they're all talking about their homes and a polar bear said, I live with my mummy and my mummy. So it was a little bit of inclusiveness by the makers of Peppa Pig. But to Russia, that was proof that they are coding messages to Russia, where they also watch Peppa Pig, to undermine parent number, mum and dad, make them parent one and two, stop them having children, so Russia loses the war. Свинка Пеппа. Белый медведец рисует портрет своей семьи. Я живу с своей мамой и моей другой мамой. This is what the journalists who've gone to Latvia are trying to counter. And, and one of them I spoke to, um, Kirill Martinov, who's the, um, the editor of the Vai Gazeta, which has moved to Latvia, he said we are trying to keep people sane. Because a, a lot of people... I mean, millions of people, they think maybe I'm crazy. If everyone talks that war is great, maybe something is wrong with me. Maybe I'm, you know, I'm a crazy person. So they're trying to actually feed back factual information about what a disaster it is, about the war crimes that are being carried out, the devastating effects on the Russian economy, just to reassure normal Russians that, yes, they are normal, they're not crazy. It's state propaganda that's gone to crazy town. 
Mm, so these journalists are broadcasting from Latvia, but surely they're not broadcasting into Russia. No, 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 no. no. Their transmission is blocked. Their websites are blocked. But what they're doing, and this is this is the, the Achilles heel in Russia's censorship, they're putting their content on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Because in Russia, it's got one of the highest percentages of people using YouTube. People watch state TV for their news. They watch YouTube for their entertainment. So they watch things like... Peppa Pig on YouTube. It's so popular that the Russian government hasn't dared block it. Instead, they're trying to replace it with their own version called RuTube, which is so clunky and unmanageable and horrible, nobody's using it. So Russia hasn't yet, you know, bitten the bullet and banned this last outlet of social media, which people are using to not only watch entertainment, but also to follow banned opposition media. Mm, So are they getting enough, Eric, views on YouTube to cut through? It's hard to say. Look, uh, Mm. TV Rain, the last independent TV channel, says they're getting 22 million unique views a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, 65% are inside Russia. Uh, Novaya Gazeta was saying it was getting up to 30 million views. Another um, uh, one run by the Anti-Corruption Foundation, a program called Popularni Politik, Popular Politics, uh, is getting 20 million views. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, look, it, they are reaching tens of millions of people. It's still a minority uh, in Russia, but they're saying it's a substantial minority and if they can just keep some Russians sane, mm. uh, then maybe they'll get through this. Tell me about Latvia and the government there. Why has it allowed these Russian journalists to set up there? They they support the cause. Well, the Latvian government hates Putin. They hate the Russian government. Mm-hmm. They see what's happening in Ukraine as an echo of their own trauma when they were under Soviet occupation for half a century. They are happy to raise their middle finger to Putin and undermine the Russian propaganda. Mm. So they have welcomed them in as a sort of um, screw you, Putin. Mm, okay, interesting. <laughs> the, the problem is that they, you know, not only, you know, hate the Russian government, there's also a lot of opposition to Russians there. Um, now, one of the reasons is that the propagandists were implying that um, Latvia and its neighbours, Lithuania and Estonia, will be next to be denazified, you know, liberated from all these LGBT transgender Nazis. Mm. But also they have a substantial ethnic Russian population themselves as a legacy of Soviet occupation. So there was a general atmosphere of, of, of suspicion by some people against all these Russian journalists coming in and mistrust and a lot of people waiting for them to make a mistake. Now, TV Rain, they made a big mistake last December. What happened was a presenter in Georgia who was, you know, doing a program, um, was talking about the appalling conditions for mobilised Russian soldiers on the front line, and he ad-libbed what sounded like an offer to help them. Mm. Now, he claimed afterwards we were just offering to highlight their plight, but it did sound like he was going to, you know, raise money to send them, you know, supplies which the Latvian government took to being TV rain helping Russians kill Ukrainians. So within a few days, uh, despite TV rain sacking the presenter, withdrawing the comments and apologising, they stripped them of their broadcast licence. Our host was fired and we have apologised to the viewers, especially viewers in Ukraine, repeatedly. At 8 mm, so what are they going to do now then, Eric? They're pretty screwed. So now the Netherlands has come to the rescue and offered them a broadcast licence and in the coming months they're going to move again to Amsterdam. Okay. Um, so, yeah, look, they're fighting the good fight as they see it, but it's it's a very 
hard slog for them. Yeah, I was going to say, Eric, fighting the good fight. But can Putin's propaganda machine really be countered? It's one of the most important tools in his war, isn't it? So he's going to need to protect it. It is, it is. But the other side of it is that a lot of Russians are seeing these stories on Russian television, but then seeing the reality at home is not quite the same. They are feeling the effects of sanctions. They are now, you know, seeing their neighbours' children, their own children being sent off to the meat grinder. They might jump off the crazy train, hey? Well, yeah, or at least not be so supportive of it. And, you know, if they do suffer major military defeats, more major military defeats this year, then Putin's position is going to become ever more brittle. Maybe Russians are going to give up on on going along with what Putin's saying, despite this this 24-7 messaging from state media. Eric Campbell is a reporter for Foreign Correspondent. You can watch his story from Latvia tonight at 8pm on ABC TV. This week marks a year since the war in Ukraine began. We discussed what comes next during our Monday episode. That's in your feed. If you want to hear more analysis on the conflict, don't forget the Russia If You're Listening podcast. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Sydney Peed, Sam Dunn and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.